Welcome back to the show. We're about to learn the secret sauce. So, Pete, welcome to Emeryville. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be out here. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you make it across the bridge often? You know, not a ton, but uh, I always have fun when I do. So I should be here more. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Over in San Francisco. So it's not that far. Yeah, it's yeah. it's funny because there's like well I don't know how funny this is, but a lot of people have made the jump to downtown Oakland. Yeah. Um. So so many people I've been hanging out with in San Francisco now I hang out with here in Oakland, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I am. I'm getting invited to more and more things out here, so I feel that move happening. So. Okay. Well, I uh, mean, I'll, I'll I'll tell you what spots are good. Uh, this, okay. Just to the west of here, Temescal, Rock Ridge, excellent neighborhood. So. Okay. You know, get get the red fit and Zillow going. Okay, cool. <laughs> but yeah, hey, I was not trying to sell you in Oakland. Uh, I wanted to actually talk about your trajectory into Mux, being a co-founder. Mm. Uh, you have a very unique upbringing in the, in the web in the internet. Mm. Um, so I don't know if it's unique. I don't know. If you, I think I'm just old. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe that. I, I, your words, not mine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, do you want to tell us how you got started with all this? Uh, yeah. Well, if you go back far enough, um, so I really got started on the web really early on. 1994, I built my first website, which was, I was, I was early high school. I was freshman in high school at the time. So that dates me a little bit there. Um, but I was taking like this, this Out random. Out the door in 94? Was that the, uh. <laughs> I don't know. What is that? I had a friend who was like 10 years older than me and that would, he used to say it all the time because I, I graduated 2004. Oh, okay. So gotcha. we were out the door in 04. Gotcha. No, I was 99 at the end of the day. So, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You said so we're a party year. like it's 99. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. R.I.P. Prince. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, sorry, continue. Sorry to <laughs> completely <laughs> derail the conversation. All good. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, back then, like, uh, there was early internet. Uh, there was no Amazon. There was no YouTube. There was, there was no Google in 94, right? It was, and everything was open source, right? Yeah. Because like it was just HTML. There was no JavaScript minification. There was like no, no obscuring HTML or, or even complex frameworks for building everything. It was just like simple HTML at the end of the day. And like half the sites were using frames, which don't <laughs> exist anymore. Uh, yes. But that was amazing because you could you could go to any website and view source and like figure out exactly how they created it. Like yes. I remember going to wiredmagazine.com, right? And like, and viewing source and understanding how they were laying out the page and kind of learning. And it's, it, yeah, it was, so that was that was an amazing time in the web because there's just a lot of a lot of creativity happening, a lot of like interesting things, like limitations, like uh load speeds right like images were not like you had this whole thing like low source and and full source which you kind of have this today but like low source images like you load the the like bad version of the image first and then the better quality one over top of that and people would do really interesting techniques like load the refrigerator door on top of an open refrigerator with that anyway it's fun time in in uh internet history and uh so I got it, got into the web early, and then of course, if you're in the web early, then you get into Flash. If you're trying to do anything, um, you know, multimedia things on that that front. Before Flash, there was like QuickTime and Windows Media, and that was like the early stage of video. But Flash is the one that really kind of took over and became that one multimedia plugin that every browser supported, right? And so, fast forward a little bit, then I'm in college working at the school website and. Uh, we wanted to post videos uh, online about like, you know, use, like store users, uh, <laughs> student case studies and, and things like that. And um, 
of course, I had completely over-architected the problem, uh, you know, because it's early in engineering and uh, built basically an entire YouTube for, for, the, for the university just to post videos online. And this is before, this is before YouTube existed. This is probably like 2004. Um, okay, yeah. But so in that, like, uh, I got, uh, uh, got well versed in, in video technology in general, uh, which then kind of kicked off my whole interest in video because it's this whole interesting niche of, of technology that has all this complexity and touches like every part of the internet. And, um, and it's hard because it's this huge, heavy format, yeah, right? Especially in 2004. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we had this like old iMac in our office that, uh, I wanted to create like multiple versions of the video so the player could choose between them. And I would, I would hit go on the encoder on this old iMac and just let it run overnight because like that's how long it took to encode videos. And so like I'd come back the next morning and all the videos were finally ready to like use, but that was the world back then. And so learned how to create like buttons and things like that in, in video players and the math that goes into like the UI components. Um, so then. Yeah, kind of, kind of figuring out where to go. Then, then, then had like a after college had a development shop where we built Ruby on Rails applications, and like Ruby on Rails was this like, like super exciting ecosystem at the, like the 2008 time frame, which is like really exciting things happening in in the Ruby on Rails world. Um, what what attracted you to Ruby on Rails after you know coming up through the the basic JavaScript HTML world? Yeah, and it was JavaScript, HTML, and uh, PHP essentially okay. at the time, right? Like, or Perl if you were really there. Uh, but PHP was was like what Ruby on Rails was kind of supplanting essentially, and uh, and yeah, Rails just had like just a lot of interesting philosophy uh between ruby and rails there's just a lot of interesting philosophy around like developer happiness essentially around the language itself and like the yeah. readability of it right and then on rails like just the ability to move fast and the um convention over configuration and some of these philosoph- philosophies that were built into it that just made like development more fun than kind of like fighting with the language or fighting with the language and or sorry fighting with the platforms um and so uh yeah, there's just a lot of energy in the Rails community then, and so, um, uh, and it was, and it was just fun to build applications. Everybody was like, this was also at a time on the internet where like web applications were kind of a new thing to just like build your own web app and like put yeah. it out in the world. And Rails made it really easy to just do that quickly. Like I remember building a a bill splitting app for for me and my roommates, and like it's still alive today. It's running on a Linode box that I forgot the password to, and I'm still paying like. <laughs> 25 bucks a month for this Linode box that I don't <laughs> don't know how to shut down. <laughs> so if you need to split bills. Okay. <laughs> Amazing. What's yeah. that called? It's called roommateapp.com. And it, it doesn't have HTTPS on it. So you can't actually get to it in the browser. So it's complete. Yeah. Anyway, I need to fix that, that when that, I have time. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Also, anybody listening to Linode, uh, sponsor this podcast, but also help yes. out yeah, my yeah, man yeah. Steve here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so we're in the Rails and Ruby world, um, and that's where I met John Dahl, who's now my co-founder at Mux. Um, and John had been, you know, building web applications for other companies. One of these companies was, uh, was trying to be the, the HD YouTube. So they were like, you know, doing HD video when YouTube wasn't. And then of course, YouTube became the HD YouTube and, yeah. and like 50 companies died right at that moment, essentially. Um, but, uh, including this company, but in that process, John built this, uh, this wrapper to um, FFmpeg, the encoding tool, the command line encoding tool for Ruby applications, and it was called um, R Video. And uh, and uh, and so you know, both both inter- interested in video things, including my my 
my other co-founder, Brandon, we were, we were just getting pulled into video things. Um, and, uh, we started, um, we started a project called Zencoder, which, uh, was a transcoding service. And, uh, first it was like a server that you had to run yourself. The first version we sold one, one copy of, and then ultimately had to return the money <laughs> to the, to the person who bought that. The first version was bad, uh, but, uh, ultimately kept iterating on it till we had the, um, a cloud service, a cloud transcoding service. One of the first cloud trans, because even like 2008 cloud was brand new, like S3 was brand new, EC2 yeah. was brand new. Right. And so like, like, so who was yeah. the, who was the customer that needed encoding? Not that customer you had to return the money to, but the, who was the audience for this? Cause at the time, like 2008, I had just, I think my YouTube account might be 2008. It might mm. be 2007, I remember. I was in college regardless, so I probably was 2007. Uh-huh. But um, I I was consuming a lot of content on the internet, but these uh-huh. are folks who were actually putting content on different sites and, and embedded in their applications. Yeah, I'm trying to think um, who are some of the interesting customers we had. We had a lot of like education platforms that were uh, you know still using Flash at the time, building like interesting educational multimedia things. Um, I think actually Amazon was an early customer, like when they were first doing like um, uploaded uh, customer reviews of yeah. products. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, like video was was like early exciting at that time too, yeah. where people were trying different things. And so, um, ooh, I'm trying to think who else is like NFL hit us up at one point. I don't think they ended up using us, but like people were trying video from different angles on the web. So it was fun to be in the middle of that. Yeah, and I wanted to take a step back. You mentioned John had built our video. Did you know mm-hmm. John before our video, or did, is that how you made that connection? Um, we actually made the connection. Um, so my my business partner at the Rails development shop um, had previously worked with John at that uh, startup who was trying to be HD YouTube, essentially. Okay. And so um, they had worked together on this open source project, our video. And so um, that's kind of what t- tied them together and then brought me into the fold. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. The, the connection and finding people and sort of seeing what they can do, uh, that's what I was trying to trying to ask on, but you already had that connection with the, yeah, with sorry. the studio. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, yeah, so you you now have Zencoder. You sort of had to rebuild it to figure out that product market fit, and then did you eventually get to that point? Yeah, we built a few more versions of it, and then um, we uh, we applied to Y Combinator, um, which we didn't That would have been like, pretty early. Like Y Combinator is... 2008. 2008 is when it started? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so 2008 was like, you know, you had like... 2008-9, you had like Reddit, you had Airbnb, you had Heroku, you know, you had some of these like legendary, you know, web app companies yeah. coming through Y Combinator. Um, and it was all like, um, it was all really early, like just out of college students. And, and uh, we, uh, like at the time, like we were already on the older side of that. So we, and we had like a little bit different, we didn't feel like, like Zencoder was the type of application that YC would, would take. Uh, but they said yes. And they're, they, they brought us in, we moved to, to Mountain View and, um, uh, and started like really like productizing it and, and releasing it to to the world. Um, and with Y Combinator, you um, especially at the time you like you moved out to Mountain View. Like that was the thing. Yeah. Like you, they, they were very strict about like you moved to Mountain View, and they were even like, "Don't live in San Francisco. You'll be distracted. <laughs> live in Mountain View." <laughs> and uh, and so I remember the time like the right around the Y Combinator offices, like there was there was no good like apartments. It was all like you know like today. It was super expensive, tiny tiny places and. Um, both of my, both my co-founders like had families, right. They weren't bringing the families with them, but like 
mature enough that we didn't want to live in like a studio apartment and crammed together and like we're yeah. looking for something a little bit nicer. So expanded the the radius of places we were looking and found this uh, this really awesome place in, in the hills of the Santa Cruz Mountains. It was like surrounded by redwood trees and like you took a small road to a smaller road to a smaller road to, to get there. We we're really in the middle of nowhere, but it but it made it easy to just like zone in, hack on things, get the project done. Yeah. But because my 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 co-founders uh, had families, they were going back to where their families were staying, just in the North Bay, essentially, um, and hang out with them on the weekends. It would leave me in this like you know basically cabin in the middle of the woods by myself uh, to just kind of <laughs> hang out and do, you know with the with the wild turkeys and the banana slugs that were creeping around our place. And uh, one of these weekends, um, I got a hold of uh, HTML5 video. So we'd already played with HTML5 video, but like. For those who don't know, like the earliest version of HTML5 video, I think was in Opera in 2008. And in 2010, when we were, when we were doing Y Combinator, there was uh, maybe like 20% support across, you know, browser users in the world, right? Like you had in Safari, did Chrome even exist at that point? I'm trying to remember. Like early, uh, I don't think Chrome even existed at that point. Yeah. Chrome, Chrome was late 2000s. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what the maybe date it is. did. Maybe it did. Uh, but yeah, I mean, l- like for HTML5 video, there was like less than 20. percent And so, like, if you talk to anybody who was like serious in in video delivery, like you you, you know, ask them about HTML5 video, and it'd be like, like, no way. We have we have Flash. It does everything we need. We've built adaptive streaming and advertising and DRM and all this stuff into Flash. Like, why do we need this like janky little thing called HTML5 video? And so. But I got inspired one of these weekends sitting in the in the forest by myself and um, wanted to build that same set of controls that I'd built in Flash in the video player before in HTML with JavaScript, HTML, CSS, and just kind yeah. of see if I could get that done, right? And so so just kind of like crammed that whole weekend because I had nothing better to do and, uh, and built basically like a tutorial of like, here's how you build the controls if you want to do it yourself. And like that got some traction. So I spun it into uh, a library that you could just, you know, embed the, the JavaScript, uh, include on the page, point it at a div and it would like fill in the div with, with this player. And then that got picked up by, uh, daring fireball. Yes. I remember yeah. that. The, yeah. I know. I remember them because I know daring fireball cause I used to read it, but also the markdown guide yeah. is still linked to daring fireball. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Mark Gruber, right? Mark Gruber. He's yeah. The I think he, that's him. He yeah. created markdown and, uh, and had, you know, has this like epic blog that I still <laughs> Yes, would probably enjoy if I had time to read blogs. Uh, Daring Fireball and um, and yeah, it got uh, VideoJS is the the library I put out there, and it got picked up. He like he just he posted like a two line thing. It was like, oh, check out this like open source video player that art that already supports WebM, which like the only reason it supported the WebM format was because I guess Chrome did exist at the time because Chrome supported WebM. But I didn't have to do anything to support WebM, but he was like, look, it already supports WebM, and it's like, oh, okay, cool. And uh, I remember looking at the like Google Analytics uh, stats of like the landing page for that, and uh, and and like thirty thousand people hit that website in in the weekend. You know, like wow. it was like you know today it's like you know it's not big numbers for web you know web stats, right? But uh, but it was like it was like oh that's like half a baseball stadium of people just like showed up and looked at this this project and it just kind of that blew my mind. And yeah. so yeah. So I, I don't know where you go from there. That's how I like got into like <laughs> yeah. video just this open source project and like I can I keep rambling. I can yeah, yeah, I mean, as long as you want on this. I, I think yeah. I, I knew a bit of that story. At least okay. I knew that you, you all had the house uh, in Mountain View, but I didn't know yeah. video just came out of that house. Yes. Uh, so yeah. video just still exists today. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. and it's just, I guess it's this. Does Muck still maintain it, or is there some other community members? So, um, our previous startup, Zencoder, was acquired by a company called Brightcove, uh, which is a which is a big video platform, essentially, who I think still powers groups like Showtime and Fox, as far as some of their their shows. Um, and uh, and Brightcove first allowed me to work on VideoJS full-time, which was awesome. And they've kind of continued to carry the banner of VideoJS, putting different maintainers in charge of the project and kind of keeping the the, the thing going there. And so, like, I, like, I'm still part of the technical steering committee there. And, and so check in, like, on a monthly basis and kind of help where, where I can. Um, but, uh, but it's been a long time since I've actually written a, a line of code for the project, unfortunately. So, okay. Uh, cool. Yeah, I, mean, it's, yeah. I mean, it's still awesome to see oh. the project still alive and, like, chugging along and getting embedded in random random other projects yeah. um, and that there's still some backing from Brightcove as well. So yeah. I did want to talk about Mux and its sort of inception and, okay. and how you sort of went from Encoder. So Encoder got sold. Yep. Uh, and then y'all decided to have another at-bat. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, at the end of the day, um, uh, we as founders are just kind of like feel passion around this idea of um, developer tools for video just kind of feel like there's there has not been a really good uh, really good solutions for for developer developer experience around building video applications and and like I said video is video is this it's a sneaky hard thing where it's like you think about uh, I think a lot of developers think video is going to work like an image and that it's like oh I just like I upload an mp4 file to a website to to s3 or something like yeah. that I I play that in a in an HTML tag and, and I'm done, right? And video just kind of works, just like an image, right? Um, but because of the complexity of video, because of like what makes the complexity, so it's like video is is really like a big format to begin with, right? And so you hit scale issues, like and just like network issues, yeah. very quickly, um, and then you hit device compatibility issues very quickly, and so like between these things, um, you can get video to work, like simply but then like if you're trying to do anything in production you start to hit these issues with your users with your networks and things like that and so and so like we just like see like have 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 a passion for video technology and developer experience and those things come together and in the products that we've been excited to build and so um yeah we decided in uh, in 2015 to kind of jump out again and give it another shot and um uh whereas with zencoder we were targeting one very specific problem, which was just converting video from one format to another and doing that at at large scale. Um, with Mux, we knew we really wanted to take on like the whole ecosystem of of tooling around uh, video for developers, essentially. So okay, yeah. So we started we started with analytics actually, which is a weird place to start, um, except that as we talked to people that we knew in the industry, like so so my my co-founder Matt McClure, he started the um, San Francisco Video Technology Meetup in 2013 or 14. Um, and that's been like incredible. Like, uh, is that still going on? Still going on. It has not, it has not missed a month since 2013. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and a conference has been built out of it called Demuxed. Um, and that, that's been going for six years or something like that. Um, you know, members of this community. Now there's meetups actually all over the world. Like there's probably like 12 different meetups like all over the world that like kind of followed this pattern essentially and now have this big video technology community. It's been amazing to see. Um, but yeah, so, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, analytics, yeah. Um, so at at the San Francisco Video Technology Meetup, we got to interact with, um, uh, 
you know, engineers from YouTube and Netflix and groups like that, that like were really on the advanced end of the spectrum of video technology. Really those two companies specifically, like were heads, heads and tails above anybody else doing video. And, um, and to see the like insight that they had at the time around what was happening in their video players around the world, uh, and be able to like make a change and understand the impact on watch time. Like how much, like how much are users watching based on this, like whatever stupid like color change or something i'm making the player yeah. right like um you know this is like data driven uh in other forms but like had never really seen it applied to video before yeah. and so um we knew we wanted that we talked to people they wanted that and we knew that that would be like an opportunity for us to then like build smarter tooling on top of like really powerful data. Yeah. That's it's interesting that you saw and you got insight to what Netflix and uh was it YouTube the yeah. other company yeah. were doing and it's so common to see these large companies like solve a problem in their own unique way. Uh, but then it's like they solved it. Everyone else has to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so you, you do see a lot of projects. And normally it's like usually folks internally will take the project outside. It's like I worked at GitHub. I saw stuff internally. Now I'm building on a product outside of GitHub. Uh-huh. Uh, so like did you have anybody from YouTube or Netflix come along for the ride to help build you build this? Um, yeah, we, had, we actually had... Um really amazing engineer called uh, Matt Ward who eventually joined, who, who joined the Mux team early on. Um, another engineer, uh, Nick Chadwick, um, who previously worked on, on Twitch and who had worked on us with Zencoder. Um, and, um, a few other engineers, I'm, I'm definitely going to miss some people, but like, uh, uh, yeah, bringing a lot of that like knowledge of kind of how yeah. the, the bigger, bigger systems have worked. So you make smarter decisions from the beginning. Yeah. And honestly, like, the coolest part that I saw, I think, was was these engineers, like, whether or not they were joining us to build these things, it was, like, stepping up in a meetup capacity and, like, being willing to, like, speak about, like, these are the things we're doing internally, right? And, like, whoever allowed them on their company side to do that, whether or not they got permission or not, it was, like, it was such an incredible, like, uh, sharing of knowledge, sharing of pain around, like, the challenges that we were all facing around video technology, even before, even before getting into the open source side of things, just, like, talking about what we're all working on and having a forum to do that, I think, uh, was, was great. Cause I think like, you know, engineers in YouTube, I think could talk to engineers at Netflix and, and realize, Oh, we're solving the same problem. Can we do it in the same way? So, so there's a trend happening right now where more and more startups are starting with open source first. If you check out any of the batches of YC, you'll see more and more open source companies now submitting applications to YC and getting in. Now, this is a good trend because the scale and velocity of what you can do and grow through open source is off the charts. Now at Open Source, we are invigorated by providing actionable insights. Insights.opensource.pizza, it's a platform to get intelligence on your open source projects. So if you're a company and you're up and coming through either YC or you're a Series A company who's looking to get their next round of funding and grow community, we have the platform for you. If you're interested in growing your project and growing your open source community, definitely check it out and let us know what you think. Excellent. So Mux got off the ground. Y'all went back to YC for this idea or did you work on it before? Um, we, we we worked on it for like a couple months, for like a month before we went back to YC. We Like the timing hit in that like um, we either had to like apply and get in essentially right away or wait like another six months. Yeah. And so we decided we would apply just to try it out. And um, it might, we might, we were definitely on the early side. We hadn't, we really hadn't written a line of code at that time, which like nowadays, like if you're getting to YC, I feel like most, most startups I see going through YC 
have like a production application already. They might already have like users and revenue and, and they're really just kind of trying to take that last degree of acceleration. So completely different side of where we started in 2010. Yeah. Um, I, I feel it's the same feedback I've gotten from a lot of people, like the new standard deal and now taking a thousand companies. I think there's a little more um, diligence that happens before we even get like, hey, we want you to come in for a 10 minute interview. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I think some of their like their core like decision making, uh, like they're still, they're still like judging people on the same things. Essentially, they're yeah. still looking for smart hackers who who have a who have a good idea. But it's it's getting, I think, because the demand has increased, they've they've been able to like, I guess, like be a little more choosier. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. Um, With that said, we didn't get in the YC. <laughs> we had a really yeah. good we had really good luck. Um, but yeah, there were some questions that I have answers to now. Um, yeah, <laughs> which is I, I think that was the best takeaway from that experience was that it was a very intense conversation with intense questions yes. that I was able to answer most of them. Some of them left more questions, and those questions helped it just strengthening our pitch uh, at the yeah. end of the day. Oh, absolutely, and yeah, it, like for the two interviews I, I've been in, like they hit you with questions that you would never expect to come at you, right? And like, you got, you got to know everything and then also be ready for things that you have no idea that they're going to ask. And, and they, you know, like, you know, knowing people like at YC, like they know it's not a perfect yeah. interview process. They know they're, they're letting like really amazing companies slip through their fingers. Right. But like, you know, they have the process they have. So, um, I think they were a little bit generous with us, with Mux, like having a, such an early application, but because we'd been like successful, founders previously um i think uh at first so michael seibel who's one of the um uh, justin tv twitch founders like uh he was one of our interviewers and uh i think he wasn't convinced after after the initial interview but he pulled us aside like for for an extra like five minutes after the interview was like okay con- convince me <laughs> so i guess we got him there but uh yeah i think they were pretty generous with us that that second time around so yeah, yeah. So, and speaking of the second time around, so you all been working on this since 2015. Uh, yeah. it's, it's now 2022 in case people watch this years later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I've been watching Mux from the sidelines because uh, I was at a heavy bit company at Netlify. So yeah. I think 2015, actually around that same, I don't know when you joined heavy bit, but Netlify joined within, yeah. Yeah, within like six months of each other. Yeah. Uh, so I got to cross paths with the Mux team and y'all saw me speak at, yep. at heavy bit events. Yeah. And uh, so it's been fascinating watching the analytics tool because that's what I knew you, you all from. Yeah. Uh, and then fast forward to like 2020 when everyone goes remote and everyone's now streaming video, Mux has a streaming video solution. So like yeah. how did you get from – so I get the analytics thing. So you, yeah. you had, I don't think you've mentioned it on the recording, but like you had talked to other companies like the um, – like NFL didn't, wasn't a customer, uh, but there were other customers that were broadcast and, and news agencies that were using you. So – yep. Analytics makes sense. Uh, yeah. It makes sense today. Like you have me yeah. sold. Like I would, I, I will invest in Mux in 2015 right now. Cool. <laughs> I'll write a check. Thanks. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> I'll backdate it. Yeah, we'll figure and, that out. Yes, uh, I'm pretty sure Chase can figure this out. Um, but what I'm getting at is the. So how did you get to the streaming video side? Like when you wanted to opt in to do that? Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of a leap because like at the at the time. Our customers were like CBS and Wistia and uh, IGN uh, and the groups that were doing tons of streaming video. They had their own video platforms and uh, we're mon- we were monitoring things like the Super Bowl and uh, with our analytics platform. And and so what we ended up building though was was an API to video, which is at the end of the day is like really for if you want the entire 
infrastructure video solved for you. Like, and it, you know, it tends to go over really well with like new applications who are not trying to build like yeah. the whole thing from scratch because video is complicated. And we, we intentionally chose the like API abstraction layer that we did. Like we could have gone back and built, okay, let's build another encoder. Let's build a player. Let's build like hosting for video. Let's build a CMS for player. Like, like those are all kind of the general components of, of infrastructure. Um, we just we intentionally decided to kind of raise the the abstraction layer from where we were with Zencoder, which just again just like converting videos, to to a layer where you you send Mux the Mux video API, you send Mux a um, just a video, and we do all of the the decisioning around like how should this video be converted, um, and then handle the the CDN the like delivery side of things too, the manifest the dy- dynamic manifest that gets created, all of that like the whole process. Um, we handle all of that. And what that does is, is allow us to use our data and like our expert video engineers to make better yeah. decisions on, on behalf of our customers. Because with Zencoder, we kept getting the questions of like, oh, great, you give me, you've given me this great like encoding service, but what do I do with it? Like what, what formats do I create? And so like this, with the Mux video API, we can now just make those decisions for people and make them smarter than people are going to do on their own without the like benefit of, of this extra data and, and video engineers essentially. So, so yeah, so, um, we always knew we wanted to get into like solving the whole problem for customers. Um, and we, you know, I think we just kind of made a leap to like, okay, well with Mux Video API, let's just solve like at least three major components, which were like encoding, uh, storage and delivery all in one. And so, so it was a lot to bite off, especially with like a 25 person team in 2020 or 2019, I think is when we launched it. Um, uh, but it was good timing with everybody then, yeah. you know, going into quarantine and watching a lot of video. That was, uh, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of industries, you know, were hurt by the quarantine, but video was definitely not one of them. So no, I, I feel it definitely picked up a lot. You see yeah. all these other streaming services, which I, it's I guess ironic that Michael Seibel, being from Justin TV and, and Twitch, um, not having like not really seeing it without a, an extra five minutes of, of, a, of a pitch. <laughs> uh, being that it was his video yeah. ecosystem that supported getting Twitch to where it was and sold yep. to Amazon. Yep. But regardless, uh, what I'm getting at is like the, it, it's interesting to see this, this growth and this tra- trajectory of your experience through all this sort of like video has been your thing for a very long time. Yeah. Didn't and, choose it, but yeah. Yeah. And it, it seems like there's a lot of people who might have a thing and like I've had, a, I've, I used to be a heavy GraphQL person. Like that's what I spoke <laughs> on co- in conferences and stage. It's what got me my GitHub job. But then when I got to GitHub, I stopped doing GraphQL, ironically. Yeah. Um, and uh, now I did way more DevOps and GitHub action work and huh. built more developer relations and community growth and stuff like that at mm-hmm. GitHub. And now I'm really in the open source. Like, I guess what I'm getting is like, I video, I don't have like a straight line of like, this is what I've always touched. Yeah. Uh, but you're unique where you've started multiple companies and multiple projects around <laughs> video. Uh, how, is that, how has it been like interacting with community? Like, do you see the same folks? Uh, obviously, you got the meetup over here in San Francisco, but yeah. like, was it always easy just to pick people off the shelf and be like, hey, I'm starting a new thing. Come work with me. Um, I, think, I think partly because of the, the community that we built around the San Francisco meetup. Um, I think that was definitely a big part of it. Um, we did have like a lot of friends that we could poke and like at least ask like some of the hard questions too, if not like, you know, pull them in somehow. Um, I think that was, that was great. And then, and then just like 
the video technology community is, is still a little bit niche in itself. And so there's a few major conferences that like touch on media technology. Yeah. Uh, like there's NAB, which is like the second biggest conference in, in, in Las Vegas, uh, which is all media technology. They have like everything from like a hardware. Yeah. Hardware lights on top of antenna towers, things like that. And then like a little corner of us that like on the, <laughs> on the web streaming that's grown and grown over the years. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, from that standpoint, yeah, there's a, pretty decent network or network of people around uh, video technology today, especially with this like ecosystem of meetups that have now grown. Um, so if you're, if you're looking for a meetup around video technology, there's probably one near you. Yeah. And it's, I think it's also similar when it comes to open source projects, like VideoJS being one of them, but you also have Media Chrome, uh, which mm -hmm. I don't know if you alluded to since we've talked, but you have more projects to sort of continue to tap in the community. So like, can you explain yeah. Media Chrome and what that is? Yeah. So Media Chrome is kind of like, uh, there's a few there's a few ideas behind it, but the the main thing is um, it builds on the the web components concept in the browser, right? Uh, which not everybody's excited about web components, but I'm really excited about web components. And and part of that comes from when I was building VideoJS in, in 2010, I just wanted to build something that felt native to. I wanted to build a play button that felt native to the browser, right? Yeah. And the only way to do it at the time was was by like hacking around a div tag and like you know adding in every everything you need for accessibility and like in click handlers and everything like that around like the simple div tag to like and then like load this heavy like JavaScript to like load on top of this div tag and it, it was like you know it got to work. It made it work in HTML and CSS, which was awesome. But like it, you still had to create this like proprietary framework of like, oh, if you're going to use my play, play button, it works like this, right? Yeah. Whereas like I look at web components and like now I can build that play button and other, other UI controls that are actually just like feel native to the browser itself. And that's ultimately what I really wanted out of like this set of, of player controls. And then you take that one layer higher and you can build like a full video player that now just feels like it's built in the browser and it, and it, in, the benefit of that is you have all these different frameworks like Vue and React and, and like at the end of the day, like everything speaks, speaks HTML, right? Um, React is a little bit like they're figuring out web components today, <laughs> yes. right? They're not quite there, which is really a little bit annoying for me, but uh, they're getting there. And like, you know, once they get there, like everybody else is doing really well with web components and, and that's because it is like native technology, right? And so what, what Media Chrome is, is, it's two things. One is it's building a, a video player set of controls in native web component components. So like, sorry, web components. So like you, you can like craft your own video player. If you want to put the play button in the upper right-hand corner, whatever you want to do, right? Like that, it's, it's just HTML components that you'd be working with to create this and you don't have to build them from scratch. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing it does is it separates the, um, it's really just the UI of the player versus the, the streaming engine that lives underneath the player, essentially. So you have all these great projects like HLSJS and Shaka and Dash.js that are supporting the, the adaptive streaming technologies, the more complex ways that we do video on the web. And, um, and Media Chrome just kind of sits on top of those projects um, as the UI layer that like then pairs nicely with those those projects, and so um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about web components in general. I'm excited about uh, Media Chrome as it's kind of like 
unlocking of, of more open source around video itself, because video does tend to like feel like this, like scary black box that you haven't yeah. touched it. Like, like you don't know what to do with it. But if we can, if we can build these components in ways that just feel like the web, then I think it will like unlock more open source around video. Yeah, for sure. And like, I, I've definitely been sort of scared of video and some projects I've made. Mm -hmm. uh, I built when the hype of the NFT market, I built a dashboard to like consume NFTs and display nice. them. Uh, and like I, specifically did not display videos because I'm like, oh, these don't act right. Like <laughs> they're not interacting the way I think. Yes. And I was, I'm the developer that's like, oh, is this an image tag? What's a, or a video tag or something, something simple like that. And yeah. it, there was a lot of nuance and I was also building in React as well. So it, there was a lot of edge cases and I had to build, I was trying to keep it like a very minimal site because mm -hmm. NFTs are huge. Yeah. And uh, had to basically figure out a casting solution. So anyway, it was a complicated project that I created some content around, and I haven't updated since. <laughs> well, thank you for reinforcing <laughs> my point around video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I, I did want to mention, I, I talked to Dylan uh, weeks ago, and he had mentioned that they had hired someone on the team at a Media Chrome that was a contributor there. Um, maybe I'm, I, I might be bespoken, but if it was Media Chrome or not, but... There is, uh, I guess, some validation in leveraging open source and tapping in the community, even even so. Yeah, um, I don't. We haven't hired somebody out of Media Chrome yet, actually. Um, sorry, I don't. Yeah, I don't think maybe we, it was a different yeah, project. Yeah, it was a different project. Yeah, but honestly, oh no, we have. Yeah, we hired. We hired. Um, Dave Kiss was a was a contributor to I believe to VideoJS first actually okay. and then um and then has been doing some things on the Media Chrome side of things uh, but absolutely like uh ha like we we actually have a a pseudo philosophy at Mux that I don't think actually everybody at Mux understands <laughs> that we have uh, but like we aim for basically anything we're building on the client side to be open source um, like. Server-side technology, like it, we we close source it, we productize it, and everything. But like things that we're doing on the on the client side, our SDKs, our video players, things like that, even our UI frameworks, like we we if there's value to it, we we aim towards making that open source, just because of just the immense value you get from like putting it out there, both both on like your own users being able to contribute back, but just like putting things out to the community that might benefit somebody else who's trying to do the same thing. So, yeah, uh, I love that. That uh, did you say it was a philosophy? Um, I get, yeah, <laughs> philosophy, yeah, uh, rule. No, it's not a rule. I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, yeah, I, I, yeah. I second that. I think that's yeah. a, a really good strategy to definitely get stuff out there, and you get so much feedback, even when it comes to like customers trying to use your tool for their solution. They mm -hmm. have like, examples, and I, I was trying to rebuild Twitch uh, from my own use case to embed into my website. Nice, because uh, I was live streaming uh, on Twitch, but I was like, ah, I don't really need all the Twitch stuff. I just want to live stream. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's a use case that anybody's interested. You could do with Mux in the Mux examples. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to wind down. Uh, cool. Appreciate you from coming over here, talking about some origin stories of video on the web and how you're associated with it. So happy to truly, truly a pioneer <laughs> for <laughs> sure. You. And uh, folks, uh, make sure you like and subscribe and keep spreading the... No, I was going to say spread the jam. <laughs> Stay saucy. <laughs> the secret sauce of the podcast produced in-house by OpenSauce, the open source intelligence platform providing insights by the slice. If you're in San Francisco and interested in being a guest on the show, find us on Twitter at SaucedOpen. And don't forget to check out OpenSauce at opensauce.pizza.